Hey everyone, good morning. Welcome to the Teach Better Today morning show where the Teach Better team gets to join you live every single morning, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern. As a reminder, we're in our last week of the show as we kind of wrap up 2023 and we'll be back 2024, which is psycho to my mind. I have not even processed it. I have an incredible guest with us today, and you might already be familiar with him because he's been in the Teach Better family for many, many, many years, but uh, Mike is doing amazing, amazing things with students, with educators all around. I want to make sure you guys are able to learn from him, learn about him, and then connect with him as the show continues. We will be right back. Grab your cup of coffee. Good morning. My name is Ray Hewitt from the Teach Better team, and I have Mike with us. Mike, how you feeling? I feel great, but I have a question for you before we like jump in. Go crazy. You What's your question? You mentioned how like interesting it is that we're about to flip our, our year, right, to 2024. Yes. So typically, how long does it take you to remember to actually write 2024 where it becomes like that muscle memory? Because for me, it's usually like spring break. If I have it down by spring break, like I, things are going good for me. Okay, Mike, I love that you brought this up because I just had a document I had to sign yesterday and I wrote that it was like, you know, it was like December 29th and then I wrote 2024 and I had to had to write the date like two or three times. Like one of those documents you have to sign yeah. everywhere it was at like a doctor's office and I literally turned in the form and I'm like, oh, I'm like every date, I'm a year ahead. So let's put it this way. You'll transition by spring break. I've transitioned a month ago and I've been wrong every day of my life. You're like living in the future already. And I like live in the past. We got to find Apparently, Apparently, yeah. I just, it's not intentional. I just, you write the date out and then you're like, what's the year? And at this point, there's so much talk of 2024 that I'm like, what year is it? Like, I don't know. Sometimes I write 2000. I'm like, that looks wrong. I don't know. <laughs> I so, agree. It's, it's conceptual, right? <laughs> totally. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm like the worst, especially if you ever um, do any documents that are from overseas and they flip the date in the month. I'm like, now you guys are just messing with me. There's just no <laughs> way to do this correctly. Mike, tell yeah. us a little about yourself. Where are you located? What do you do? Tell us a little bit about other things outside of your skill of not knowing what year it is. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm really, really excited to be on the podcast. Love to love to watch it and see it and listen to it. Um, you go on a lot of morning walks with me, so and my dogs. Um, I love our that's, morning that's walks. Really important to me. Yeah, <laughs> so I have my coffee and listen to listen to y'all all the time. Uh, I live in Midland, Texas, which is in West Texas. Um, my wife and I have been out here now for 23 years. I'm originally from Colorado. That's where I grew up. So, and you may uh, kind of be excited to hear all this. All my family, my extended family actually, is from the Chicago area. Oh my so, gosh. Man. Yeah. I'm kind of the black sheep because I was born in Colorado. I was the only one in several generations in time. 
and now I live in Texas. And I have two daughters who are, you know, little little Texans. So family reunions it. back up north are, are pretty interesting for us. Gosh, that's so fun. We have a member of our team, Joshua Stamper, who I'm sure many of you are connected to. He just did the opposite flip. He went from Texas to Colorado. You went Colorado to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I think it just has to do with how much do you like snow and like heat, right? Like I think that's yeah. how it happens. Yeah, snow's like a novelty now to me. Like, oh, look, it's snowing. And like, but I don't want to shovel it ever again. So I'm good with that. Fair, fair. I will say, and you know, the moment I say this, the world will end. But um, it's been <laughs> such a mild winter in Chicago. Like we went to go see Christmas lights and it was like 40 degrees. I'm like, 40 degrees to see Christmas lights. This is heaven. But you tell a Texan that and you guys are like, no, yeah, that's reason. too Yeah, like what? <laughs> no, we don't go outside when it's 40 degrees. So... I kid you not, when I first started teaching down here, kids didn't weren't allowed to go outside for recess when it was below 50 degrees. I, I know. I'm like, what? I think that's my favorite. Like, my, I think my favorite weather is like 50, 60s. Like, yeah. those are, that's my dream. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm old and that was a long time ago too. So that it's fair. They, they've changed the rules since then. I love it. I just remember when I was teaching full-time sixth grade, I was in the middle of central Illinois and you'd you kind of like have an inkling it might be a snow day, right? It's like you knew the night before, maybe in the morning your your alarm goes off at 4.30 and you're like, okay, let me just see if a snow day is coming. And I knew that if it felt like negative 17 on my thermometer, it probably was going to get called for a snow day. And so there was this moment that you're like, please let it be negative 17. Please let it be negative 17. <laughs> yeah. So. And there's nothing better than a good old fashioned snow day at the last minute when you're a teacher. You're like, yes, woo, I needed it. It's a reset day. Totally. Well, Mike, I am so appreciative that you chose to join the show because your background in not only education, like supporting students, but supporting educators. I know you're, you've had background in special ed, similar to I, like what my experience is. You've just been able to do so much. Before we get into all that conversation mm -hmm. in our team talk, will you tell me a little bit about like, why education? Like, why are you in this field? What brought you here? What's your story? You know, it's, it's kind of funny because as much as I struggled in school, um, as a student, you know, like I, I had to work extremely hard just to keep up. Uh, my dad was really, really um, a big push. My both my parents were they wanted all of their kids to have college degrees, and of course, I'm the last of four. So, you know, you got like gifted and talented siblings. It looks pretty good for them, and then I come along as the anomaly. Um, we hate them. We hate yeah. those people that are really yeah. awesome, and we're just trying to figure yeah. it out. <laughs> just trying to figure it out but i have more degrees than them so i always like to rub that in their face right so yes. <laughs> but anyhow it's it's kind of funny because the people that were teachers coaches um good support systems the ones that really understood like the personal connection and how important connection is to us were the ones who were like heroes ones i wanted to be around hero like people i i love going to their class um, challenging me, you know, making me be a better person. It, that was really kind of what the drive was to become, you know, an educator was, Hey, like, I just, I want to be around kids. You know, my goal was to always, um, coach baseball <laughs> and, uh, teach history, U S history. Cause I always thought history was fascinating. And although I did coach baseball for a few years, it was a minor part of my career 
but I never taught history because I went into the special education route and just instantly fell in love, especially kind of being um, a behavior person inside special ed, just found like a true passion and love kind of for the underdogs who just need a lot of extra support and help. And then, um, you know, when inclusion kind of came about and a lot of the co-teaching, um, I'm sure you know Paula Kluth pretty well up in the area and Patrick Schwartz. Yeah, they're good friends of mine. I know them really well. Um, just became fascinated with how much maybe I didn't know about all of education, even though I'd been in the game for a while. Because when I started getting co-teaching and going into other people's classrooms, I was like, whoa, like, I don't know anything about math. I'm excited to be in here, right? And like help kids with the same thing or go into a social studies classroom or whatever. So yeah, it's just kind of been this really, really interesting thing and how I've kind of got involved in education and always, you know, been in it. But I couldn't really imagine doing anything else. I really love working with teachers, kiddos, administrators, you know, higher ups, the whole nine yards, because it's it's a it's a great place to be, really. Yeah. And I love that your story kind of evolves over time, right? It wasn't just, okay, I want to be an educator and I got into the dream job and that's where I stuck. But <laughs> as I continue to get to know you, especially based on other conversations we've had, you really fell into this field because of your passion. And then you've continued to strive to be a learner, right? Continue to be connected. That's a huge, huge, huge core value that we love to echo in our Teach Better family, which I know you're an active participant in is, you know, we all have so much to learn, whether you've been in the classroom for five minutes or 50 years, yeah. there's always someone new to meet. There's always a new story. There's always a new strategy. And there's always a way to make it a scalable routine so that you can best impact students. So I, I love that that continues to be a, a focus for you. And well, and isn't that one of the best things? Like, so a lot of the stuff that I do with my consulting is also a lot of coaching of teachers inside the classroom, whether they're new or we're having a kid tier two, tier three, that just needs a lot of extra support. We need to go down that venture of, you know, like interventions and looking at the function and all that. But I learned so many amazing things from educators every single day. And it doesn't matter if they're just brand new right out of the box or they've been in the game. And it's so critically important that we share those stories and we share those different things because, you know, it, it's hard. And I always talk about it this way, Ray, when you're in it, you like when you're in the fire, you never know how big the fire is. And so being able to see small wins that teachers do every day is so critically important because at the end of the day, you want them to realize the successes they're making rather than like the one big incident or something that occurred that they didn't hit that wall. Cause you know, as a teacher, like how many times do we build the perfect lesson plan? And you know, first period, you're like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> so, yes. but yes. then there are small, there's things that really worked with it, but we get so hooked on the things that aren't building up and with assessments, you know, state assessments and federal and all that that are going on, we're so set on that big prize that we lose sight of every single day. There's these kiddos in front of us, right? And it's what we're doing to grow them as human beings that is really going to make the big difference in, in their learning outcomes. And I, I'm just a really true believer in that. Mm, so much that we can take away from this conversation already. I cannot <laughs> wait to continue to dive in. We're going to transition here into our team talk and get into some nitty gritty including right. what some of you can apply to your day-to-day. -day. So Mike, stick with us. We'll be right back.
everyone. Thank you for sticking with us at the Teach Better Today morning show. We are here with Mike, and he, in my mind, is an essential educator you need to go connect with. Talk about a more passionate guy. Yikes, Mike, you are doing so many good things, and I want to get into some of the strategies that you really feel like have made an impact on educators. You are not only doing great things in education, but you're constantly with your consulting, supporting educators all around. And I know that there are so many things we can learn from you. So if you had to identify maybe your go-to strategy or your go-to reminder, I know that's such a hard question, but <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you lean towards at least? I'm sure there's like a hundred things, but what yeah. should we think through as we're getting into our day today that maybe would be beneficial for us to keep at the forefront of our minds? Yeah, 100%. So one of the things that I kind of want to remind everyone, especially in behavior world, is we're humans, adults, kids, and we all have behaviors we're not proud of, right? Like there's behaviors that we all do that we don't want on Facebook, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm, I'm pleading, I'm pleading the fifth. Pleading I don't know fifth. what you're talking about. Yeah, pleading exactly. The fifth. So when we think about like a skill set that most of our kids struggle with, it's usually in behavior world, it's a lack of skill to be able to know how to kind of do that better. So like in reading intervention world, you know, if a kid struggles with fluency, we put an intervention in place to learn a skill to be better at reading. I mean, that's kind of how, you know, I overcame a lot of my reading difficulties. But in behavior world, oftentimes we think about it as consequences, um, not in the true sense of consequences of how it's kind of decided, but like the punishment phase, right? But yes. if the lack of skill is there, the punishment's not really going to matter. So we still have to think about it as human behavior. And so that's why the, when you act about, asked about like a certain skill, I always talk about connection, direction, and redirection. And kind of in that order. Okay, so here's what I mean by that. When we go to traditional school and university or we go through a certification program like we've talked about before, Ray, um, we're not taught a lot of really good people in skills, communication skills right? We're taught content, excuse me, pedagogy and curriculum, which are really, really important for teachers to have. But what we're not taught at a high level is, you know, how do we communicate with kids effectively? And those are people skills. Like if you look at social yeah. learning, social awareness, self-management, all those things are really important. And to actually truly reflectively listen, active listen to our kids, right? To everyone, that's important. So like, how do you connect with someone? is really important to kind of make us have that relationship with our kids where our kids want to have the sense of belonging to be in our classrooms every single day, right? So think about the environments you look at and all the schools that you go to, you're breathing in if there's a sense of belonging for kiddos or not, right? And here's what's really cool about that. It doesn't mean as me as the adult, I have to be perfect, right? But what sure. we should be is truly vulnerable with our kids too, to be like, hey, you know what? I got totally messed that up. Like I got a little angry and I kind of, you know, yelled at y'all and I shouldn't have done that. This is what I should have done instead of. So connection always has to be, this is like the biggest takeaway for teachers. It has to be authentic. Mm. So like you see a lot of stuff on, you know, Facebook and some other, you know, social medias. I just saw one on Twitter where like a principal is saying, hey, I'm making all my teachers stand outside and do handshakes with kids. So there's some really good things about that, right? But if the teacher doesn't feel like that's authentic to them, the kids are going to read it immediately and it's going to do the opposite set, side. Like it's going to mm -hmm. disconnect. 
So yeah, like we should have ways that invite our kids in, but make sure it's authentic to the teacher. Yeah, right? it's almost like you need. It's almost like you need um, similar to. I mean, geez, so many things in education, but we kind of need like a toolbox of ways to connect. And we need to not only pull out specific ones that are best for us as people, as educators, but also pull out ones that are best for also the specific student in front of us. You kind of have to look at them as puzzle pieces. Like they have to fit together and it doesn't need to be the same for everyone or every teacher, right? No, and it shouldn't be, right? Because like, if you walk down your neighborhood and you saw all your neighbors throughout the day, they would all have their own authentic way of reaching out to you. And it would be really weird if you went to everyone's house and rang their doorbell and they all greeted you the same way. Would it not? So we have to think about it these things. So like, weird. What does it seem like in real life? Like, what are we teaching our kids? The only time we ever do that is like on Halloween, right? <laughs> so Right. And even I, that's exactly. I was thinking about that, but still, like, the houses are decorated differently. We're handing out different candy. My Halloween was the first thing. I was like, oh, we ring doorbells on Halloween. But even that's a different experience. They have different expectations of what you should and shouldn't ask for or say or how many pieces you can or can't take. So I think this is a great kind of picture to paint for teachers to say, you know, here's the minimum expectations, right? You're looking to create authentic connections, but let's model you know, five to 10 different ways on how to do that. So everyone can pick what they're comfortable with and it can be genuine. I, I love that that's yeah. a good, good analogy there. Because if we set up the connection, then I, I talk about the direction. That's content, pedagogy, and curriculum. Now I can teach, right? If you have an established relationship with me, you're going to be much more likely to come along, even in hard situations where you struggle because you're trusting me as your guide into the learning process and you're going to start trusting the other kids around you and you get into that whole peers learn best from peers thing which is so important right mm -hmm. and then we're a part of a, a culture we're a part of a group together it's not like me as the teacher overwhelming you with information or you know, here's the rules policies and procedures you have to follow to a T which even us as adults we don't do a really good job of well, sure. And, you know, Mike, I love that first off, there's like 500 more questions in my brain that I want to talk to you about because I love that you're driven by this. And I feel as though that your approach, well, obviously it's very genuine. That's very clear in, in your whole persona. But I also feel like you present it in a way that allows teachers to feel like it's it's they're capable of it. Um, sometimes we hear these ideas and either it's very top level or it's a little bit too cookie cutter and it feels yeah. like maybe that's not a good fit for us. And I love that mm -hmm. you really look at this as a robust strategies that you can present to people and they can kind of pick and choose as, as the day ebb and flows, as the students change and as we as people just evolve throughout the day. So I know that we are going to run out of time here, but Mike, how can our community stay in contact with you? Because obviously this is something you implement, but it's also something you love to share with others. And yeah. educators in our network could bring you in to come virtually speak to their teachers or sure. have a one-on-one -on -one Zoom with somebody just to talk through like how to do this well, right? Or geez, direct message on social media, right? These are all strategies yeah. on how we can stay connected. So I have a couple different ways. Um, I have a webpage and it's really easy. I take my last name out of it because nobody can pronounce it and nobody can remember how to spell it. So it makes Wait, Googling it? it a whole lot easier. Pronounce so my last it name is, it's just, it's pretty simple. It's Des Paris. 
So disparis. Oh, and it does. It's not French, look like so you that. just remember. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. So, That's not nice. Oh, yeah. For those of you who are listening on the podcast, it's D E S, which worked at the beginning, and yeah. then P A R R O I S. That's just cruel, Mike. Yeah, so it's funny. rough. So what I've done, well, I'm not what I've done, what someone who has helped me out with uh, a lot of my social media and website and stuff has said, hey, let's do Mike D. That's kind of fun, right? Because I'm an 80s kid, so Beastie Boys. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's just MikeDConsulting.com. Okay. That, that's my webpage. And then Facebook is really easy too. It's just Mike D consulting. You can reach me at that. And then um, Twitter or X, the former Twitter or whatever we're calling that whole deal is just at Mike D. Yeah. It's just at Mike D consulting. So I have information there. Um, you can, you can find my emails and stuff as well. And they can email me directly and, you know, work through that lens as well. Yeah, friends, I, I know so many of us are constantly looking for ways to care for ourselves, care for our students. And I know there's some really big staples in our community. Lindsay Titus, Trey Gamage being incredible people to lean on, uh, Jen Manley being wonderful, all part of our speakers network. I would love for all of you to add Mike to your list of people that you reach out to for behavior management support, for anything that allows you to make those connections and not just a fluffy cookie cutter way but really authentically. So Mike, thank you for, for sharing the ways that we can stay connected. And if Absolutely. anybody has any problems, like friends, just reach out to me. I'll connect you with Mike. I, I got you. If you, if you can't figure out how to, how to find him, I got you covered. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. And I just love everything that y'all do and just keep up the awesome work because we all need it out in the field, right? <laughs> oh, so good. And thank you for continuously watching to watching the show while out to walk with your puppies. I think that's great. <laughs> it's my dream. That's my dream goal is for somebody to listen to the show while on a walk with their dogs. <laughs> I'll take pictures and send them to you next time. Oh, stop. I literally would love it. All right, friends, have a wonderful day ahead. Please let us know if you need anything. And as a reminder, we're in our last week of Teach Better Today morning show. We'll take a little bit of a hiatus over winter break but don't worry if you haven't listened to every episode we have like literally thousands and thousands of episodes so you literally cannot run out of content unless you are alex in our teach better community who's listened to everything um but then we'll be back in january to make sure we are still around to welcome you into your morning routine see you guys later have a good day <laughs> Bye. Hey, Teach Better community. Thank you so much for joining the Teach Better Today morning show every single weekday at 7 a.m. Eastern. We have so many resources for you outside of this live stream at teachbetter.com, including blogs, podcasts, and professional development that will bring our team to your school. Wherever you are listening from this morning, please make sure you are sharing and celebrating the incredible educators in this world. And hey, if you are listening over on a podcast to Teach Better Talk, we would love a five-star review. <laughs> the comments are always so entertaining. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow.